Microphone check. One, two, three. City, city, sibilance, sibilance. Levels check. Good. Sounds good. One, two, three. Rolling and. I mean, I don't believe in uh, in writer's block. I don't think there is such a thing. Um, I think we have good days and we have bad days. And I will write every day. It's, you know, the brain is a creative muscle. And so, you know, I will write music every day to keep those creative juices flowing. In some respects, my role is as a psychologist. I have to be able to tap into or inhabit the characters that I'm portraying uh, or whose stories I'm telling through music. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I'm your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 128. And it is brought to you by Musicvine, creators of the most original, easy-to-use music licensing platform for you, the independent documentary filmmaker. A couple of years ago, it was back in episode 37 actually, we ran a show specifically dedicated to the craft of scoring music for your documentary film. We had on musician and film composer Peter Broderick, and we really focused on the oftentimes overlooked aspect of music for film. It was pretty popular and we received a lot of positive feedback from the episode. But like I said, this was quite a while ago like around 90 episodes a while ago. And so it seemed high time that we revisited the topic. Music is an integral part of the filmmaking process. It can sometimes make or break your film once you've moved close to a picture lock. The wrong type of scoring can send your film into directions quite unintended and produce conflicting emotions. Conversely, the right kind of score can truly elevate your film into the kind of rich, emotional, complex territory that perhaps you hadn't even realized possible with your film. So I thought that we might spend a little time today examining the ways in which we can better our choices around music for our documentary films. So number one, music sets the pace. Yes, of course, editing and other dramatic elements are going to play important parts in the pacing of your film, but music can set a tempo and rhythm in a way like the other elements really can't compete with. You will almost never see an editor editing away, if that makes sense, editing away from a piece of music. If there is music in an edit, you can be assured, however subtle it may be, that edit choices have been made to go along with a particular scene's music. The editing and music, and of course, the visuals prior to editing, will all impact the overall drama and rhythm of a scene. So keep this in mind when selecting music for your film scenes, or when having a conversation with your composer. Of course, often you'll be sharing visuals and scenes with the composer before they start to make music, so they'll have valuable input themselves on the scene as well. Number two, music enhances emotion. We already know that music can enhance the overall emotions and feel of your film. If you need a concrete example of the power of this one, just choose one of your favorite docs, and while watching it, turn the volume down. I'll bet you quickly see that scenes that once seemed incredibly moving and powerful suddenly feel much less this way, 
once something like the music is actually taken away. The visuals might be stunning to look at, but without the musical score to go along with it, the impact just isn't really the same. You'll always want to be aware of the effect of music on your visuals as you put your film together. Oftentimes, early on, you or your editor will be cutting scenes before music has been composed for them. Keep this roughly in mind as you edit these scenes, or at least be aware that the emotional weight of your scenes will be dramatically improved once music has been placed in the edit. Human emotion is proven to be directly linked to music. This will be no different with your film, and something that should always be in the back, if not forefront, of your mind when you cut the film together. Number three, understand the mood or tone. How do you want your audiences to feel when they see your documentary? What emotions will they be experiencing throughout the viewing? Keep these things in mind when you start to make decisions about mood and tone for your overall film, and then when you break down various scenes. A film is a journey and will have both ups and downs. Of course, your music should also reflect this, and certainly not work against it, unless, you know, juxtaposition is very intentional. And remember, your film's composer will be working with you on this. You're not responsible for the ideas themselves, the ideas for music, that is. Let the composer do what they do best. However, having an understanding of the mood and tone of scenes, and certainly the overall film, and being able to communicate this to your composer will be of ultra importance. Number four, importance of silence. Now, just as certain styles and rhythms of music are important to the success of your film, so is silence. That is, the absence of music, or the absence of any sound at all. Silence can be every bit as effective as an incredible piece of orchestration. It's just in the knowing of when and where to employ the silence in your film. Have you ever watched a film where you realize that there is sound throughout the entire film, and because of this, you were left feeling a little bit exasperated, or that you hadn't a moment to reflect on anything you'd seen? It's really unfortunate that sometimes filmmakers feel like they need to fill every frame with some kind of music or sound, practically barraging you with sensory inputs, oblivious to the fact that some moments of quiet are actually quite necessary, that moments of silence can actually allow the audience a much-needed break from all of the action and or information that's been put forth. It gives them the okay to take a breath and let what they've seen and experienced sink in. This can be very powerful, and a good editor knows this. So just remember to also allow for some opportunities for silence in your film. Lastly, I'd like to talk to you about working with a composer. While we doc filmmakers are often operating with less than ideal budgets, we shouldn't assume that it's not going to be possible to pay for original composition for our docs. In fact, I'm going to argue that budgeting something, anything, for original composition must be something that you do for your film. As I've already mentioned in today's episode, and certainly back in episode number 37, we know how important music is to film. So let's start treating it that way. Your composer needs and should be paid something. But often, if they like your project, they're going to do what they can to meet you at a place that's comfortable for the both of you. You can and will find the right composer for your project. 
We will obviously get way more into this when we sit down with today's guest, but suffice to say, the most important thing to remember here is that doc filmmaking is a collaboration, right? It's a collaboration with your crew members, your subjects, your editor, and it's certainly most definitely a collaboration with your composer as well. He or she will bring their own experience writing music for films, and they will give you fresh, innovative ways of looking at your scenes. If you've not worked with a composer for any of your films, you'll have to trust me when I say that working with the right composer can prove to be one of the more gratifying aspects of the whole doc filmmaking process. It's why filmmakers often end up working with the same composers for many years. I'm telling you, the feeling of placing someone's original music into your edit can be an ethereal, life-altering experience. And I want all of you to experience this. And you know what? Don't just take it from me. Coming up after a quick responsible break to pay some bills, you're going to hear from one of the more renowned film composers in documentary. Her name is Nanita Desai, and she is one of the most employed film composers out there today. We'll hear her wonderful words of wisdom and her beautiful musical compositions next up here on The Documentary Life. I'd like to make a quick thank you to the music licensing platform MusicVine, sponsors of today's episode, who have kindly supplied music for today's programming. Here on the show, we often talk about the importance of good music. You know I'm a stickler for capturing the best audio possible, as it has the power to amplify your visuals and can move your audience to spectacular places. Music can seriously make or break a film. There's nothing worse than seeing great video being ruined by the same old cliche sounds that everyone has heard a zillion times. But when music is done well, it can transform the entire landscape of your film. Of course, a good soundtrack is not easy to come by. Every film, every scene, it's different, right? That's why a music licensing platform like MusicVine is so great. We've mentioned them on the show before. They're a music licensing company that I use for both commercial and documentary projects. And you will have heard me using music from MusicVine a number of times during season two of the show, as well as today's episode. So why do I use MusicVine? Their website looks great, and above all, it's simple and straightforward to use. They've made it really easy and intuitive to search their extensive music library, a library that, unlike most other music services I've come across, is actually original and fresh. They even have these really cool hand-picked playlists covering all sorts of filmmaking genres, including a collection specifically made for, yep, you guessed it, documentary. And recently, they've made MusicVine even better by introducing a brand new subscription for filmmakers. Their pro subscription starts from just $19.99 a month. You get total access to their excellent catalog of music. Plus, you can license as much music as you like during the subscription. As if that wasn't enough, they're also offering an exclusive discount to listeners of The Documentary Life. 
Use the promo code DOCLIFE15, all lowercase, DOCLIFE15, and you can get 15% off any Music Vine subscription. And this offer will remain valid through the end of this year, 2020. To check out their documentary playlist, as well as their entire catalog of original film music, head on over to musicvine.com. And don't forget to use the promo code DOCLIFE15 to get 15% off any Music Vine subscription. It's time your doc films sounded as good as they look, Doc Lifer. Go to musicvine.com today. Working at the forefront of a new wave of emerging artists, RTS and Biffa-nominated composer Nanita Desai is a BAFTA Breakthrough Brit and is the International Film Music Critics Association Breakthrough Composer of 2020. She has scored countless BAFTA, Oscar, and Emmy-acclaimed productions. The PRS placed Desai at number two in their top ten film female writers, whose work was most used in film and TV through 2018. She has also been awarded Best Original Music at the Music and Sound Awards 2019 and Nature Vision Film Festival 2019. Nanita's most recent feature releases include Oscar 2020-nominated and BAFTA Can Biffa South by Southwest winning feature doc for Sama, which was also nominated for Best Music at the Biffa's 2019. Other recent projects include Untamed Romania, the most successful Romanian nonfiction film of 2018. World War II period drama Enemy Within, and psychological horror Darkness Visible. A warm welcome, Nanita Desai, to the program. We're so happy to have you join us today on The Documentary Life. Thank you very much for inviting me, Chris. Absolutely. Now, this is probably only the second time we've had someone like yourself on the program. We had a Peter Broderick uh, a couple of years ago, uh, another composer for film music, and it was a wonderful conversation that got great response. But as I said, that was a couple of years ago, and and I'm, I'm eager to have this conversation once again. So again, thank you so much. So I know that a big part of your background is is obviously in music particularly and then sound designing and music engineering uh early on you were working in feature films doing sound designing for big names like Werner Herzog and Bernardo Bartolucci uh music engineering involved the likes of Peter Gabriel Daniel Lanois Ravi Shankar give us a little bit about this background and then how it informed you when you started composing music for documentary films well, Chris, um, I, music was a part of my DNA growing up as a child. Um, I immersed myself in music, but as a teenager, I was also very, um, I was a bit of a geek and I loved technology as well. And so um, I immersed myself into a very broad range of music. Um, when I was growing up from Indian classical music to Western orchestral to pop, jazz, rock, you name it. And I had my own bands at school. I was a singer um, uh, in my own bands and I was always writing my own music um, for for myself, really, as a, as a hobby. Mm. But um, as a teenager, I was also very, I was a bit of a geek and um, and a tomboy and I was very much into computers and technology and I was 
fascinated by sound. So I did a degree in mathematics. um, uh, And then following on from that, I did a postgraduate um, course in music technology. Uh, I did a thesis in the wave equation and sort of the physics of of sound and um, so sound and music and the and the the um, the ability the power of sound as a storytelling uh, device really intrigued me. At the same time, I was very very interested in filmmaking. I mm. did short courses in photography and 16 mil filmmaking. So for me, the combination of sound and music and film was this was incredibly powerful. So I got a great foundation of sound and the and its place and uh, its the way that you can use sound as a storytelling de- uh, device. I didn't want to work on other people's music. I really wanted to work on my own music. Um, and so I met a music supervisor who uh, gave me the opportunity um, to write the music for a television documentary for Channel 4. Uh-huh. And and that was it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it was baptism by fire. No one had ever paid me to write music for a for a film or tv before so i just immersed myself in learning how to work with low band pneumatics and synchronizing music uh, synchronizing my midi gear and my studio gear to um to picture and and you know write with hit points and craft to uh, craft around scenes so that was my first experience about 20 years ago and so in that regard uh, i'm actually self-taught right so right. and one thing led to another and I, my foundations really are in in documentary mm, 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 mm. I, i'm curious what is it about working in documentary what do you like about it in particular that maybe you don't get with narrative well i mean i i for me my in terms of my personal process yeah. whatever project i'm working on um it becomes a very immersive process for me. Mm. That's my way of getting around writer's block, for example. Mm. I mean, I don't believe in uh, in writer's block. I don't think there is such a thing. Um, I think we have good days and we have bad days. And I will write every day. It's, you know, the brain is a creative muscle. And so, you know, I will write music every day to keep those creative juices flowing. But... Um, what I love, and and so in terms of immersiveness, if I'm working on a documentary about a particular subject, yeah. I will find out as much as I can about it, and and also it it just opens up a window onto another world that I didn't know about. Um, so I tend to gravitate towards subjects that personally actually are quite dark, or they find their way to me. I've worked on uh, <laughs> films about um, serial killers and, and uh, rapists and, yeah. and uh, you know, wars and atrocities and uh, so all sorts of different subjects. But I find that easier to tap into extremes of the human condition. And, and so what I enjoy is, uh, in some respects, my role is as a psychologist i have to be able to tap into or inhabit the characters that i'm portraying uh, or whose stories i'm telling through music and get across to the audience what is going on what's what the hidden subtext is so 
the function of what I'm trying to do musically is to tell the emotional nonverbal aspect of storytelling. Right. You know, you can use music as a punctuation to add layers and interpret or highlight what's coming out at you from the screen or what's not coming out at you. So, um, so music is a very, can be a very powerful tool in that respect. And what I love about documentary and, you know, uh, uh, with for summer, for example, mm. I went on a storytelling journey uh, on this emotional journey with the team and with Wad, who is in the film and shot it and produced it, and um, she's a she's the main protagonist in the film. Right. And then to work with her as the co-director of the film is an incredibly wonderful process and immersive process and it gives me great creative satisfaction to be able to be a part of telling important stories and bringing them to the world. I felt incredibly lucky to have Nainita as our composer because the whole journey of making for Sama took a very long time and it took a long time for us to find the heart of the film and the right way in which to tell Wad's extraordinary story and to do justice to her footage. And so I think the whole process in which Nainita and I were involved lasted over a year and a half. Uh, she was able to work as a marathon runner and also as a sprinter. We had a real drama right at the end of the production where, for various copyright reasons, we had to replace a piece of music that was absolutely vital, that summed up the emotion right at the end of the film. And we had to do it with barely 48 hours in which to create a piece of music and, uh, and for it to match the emotion, this extraordinary emotion that we needed at the end of the film. And Nainita went away, and I should mention her brilliant husband husband Malcolm as well who did a lot of the playing some of the guitar playing and in 48 hours uh, she produced a piece of music that absolutely captured the spirit the emotion the heart of the entire film at the end and it was actually much better than what we'd had before and brilliant and understated and I think that's what characterizes the score uh, in a film full of emotion it didn't need to hammer the emotion home but just to uh, shape it and that's what she did with great creativity and brilliance and so we were very lucky to have her we actually had both edward and wad on the program uh, last year uh, uh, speaking about the film so it's mm -hmm. uh, it's even more more lovely to have you speaking about <laughs> you know this film in many ways or, or speaking about an aspect that was brought to this film the thing that i strive for the most is I want to, I search for the truth uh, and authenticity yeah. in a, every film that I score. Yeah. And that's really important is that I want to be true to the story and true to the, to the characters. So with For Sama, uh, one way around that was for me to bring in a Syrian violinist mm. and he, his contribution to the score was very sensitive 
but he he played the violin mm. and he he's also a refugee so yeah. he was playing very much playing from the heart right but his playing represented his playing was very gritty and edgy and raw mm. and it wasn't a very clear clean pristine uh, violin sound that he produced yeah and when you look at the landscape of Aleppo uh, I mean, crumbling yeah. around you, of course, you know that's uh, so. the The violin and the Syrian violin represents the the aching heart of Aleppo oh, yeah. in many respects. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I search for in in every project. Um, you know, some sound or some kind of uh, motif or uh, an instrument that is, uh, or you know, something that really cuts beneath the surface yeah. and 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 is unique to that film and that's that's the truth in that film when a filmmaker's telling the truth and being authentic i think the music can also play a role in in contributing towards that Coming from um, a composer of music for doc films, speaking to doc filmmakers, how would you say that we should approach someone like yourself? What materials should we have at hand? And what's going to help you personally, if someone were to approach you, right? What would help you? Um, what is it that you require uh, in terms of being able to begin work on a film, at what process of the doc film are you coming into? What types of footage are we sharing with you? What are the conversations like? Share a little bit about that with us. Oh, that's a that's a big question, Chris. <laughs> okay, so there, yeah. there are a lot of different elements that can make the collaboration fruitful. Um, communication with the director and the editor is the creative essence of what I do, is to find a common language. Communication can be so challenging, especially when you're working with directors, particularly who don't understand the language of music. And, and yeah. I don't, as a composer, I don't expect my director to understand music and talk to me in musical terms that's the last thing that i want mm. the most important thing is to speak to me in terms of emotions and moods and storytelling and what you're trying to convey to the audience on a scene by scene basis mm. or, or or the overarching uh, narrative of the film so um the relationship between a director and an editor and a composer, I always call it, it it's akin to the Holy Trinity <laughs> because you're, you're on that journey with them. So in t uh, I like to be brought on as early as possible. Yeah. Um, with for summer, for example, on a documentary feature, there's, we have the luxury of a, a longer schedule. So, with for summer, we were ed in the edit for 18 months wow. and I was working with the directors and the editors through that whole period mm. where they were on a journey trying to find the uh, voice of the film, which took a long time in wow. that particular instance. But I'm also on a journey with them to find the musical voice of the film. So it's a very, it's very much a collaboration. In my last um, feature doc, which is the reason I jump, which yeah. 
premiered at um, Sundance earlier this year. We um, and it won the Audience Award Prize uh, for Best, I think, World Cinema Documentary. We were in the edit on that for a year, and it was a very conceptual score. So, you know, I'm where the director and the editor are on a journey to craft a film over a certain period of time in the edit. I'm there to uh, I'm there with my ideas. My I bring my creative ideas as well. Some directors are very clear and they know what they want musically um, those that aren't don't really know how to work with music they'll come to me and ask my ideas and I'll come up with a concept or a style or a genre uh, so I want to know as much about the project as possible to give it context to give you know so that I understand the narrative context in terms of communication when directors don't have an idea or too much of an idea about what they want musically right. i'll come up with playlists we'll use temp tracks now temp is a very temp tracks reference tracks guide tracks they're all the same thing uh, it's a very dangerous line to walk down because, <laughs> yes it is <laughs> because yes, it is. when editors start laying in temp tracks right right um you inevitably invariably you get temp love where temp tracks don't necessarily work terribly well to picture but what happens is is that as they're editing they get so used to hearing the yeah. same piece of music um to a particular scene it then forms a kind of a glue and it sticks to it that's right and you just it's familiar familiarity you know it, it's just you get used to it and when a composer is then brought on to replace it then then you start, then fireworks can happen because yeah. anything that a composer does to replace that magical track that the team have fallen in love with is going to be inferior to the temp right, track. Right, right. Uh, no matter what you do. And so you can get into all sorts of legality uh, issues and plagiarism and copyright issues. Yeah. So one of the reasons why you want to bring in a composer as early as possible is that what I'll do is I'll come on before the edit sometimes or right at the very, just before the edit or quite a way before the edit. Mm. And I will have discussions with the director to find out, to read their mind, to be the psychologist and to find out what is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? What is the true essence of this film? What are your intentions? What, you know, there are so many different, considerations to take on board and and from that i will form a mental picture a musical picture of what is turning the director on musically so i will uh, use temp sometimes i'll take tracks from my own back catalog mm. um, that may be relevant to this the particular film uh, or i will find other tracks that i think may be suitable for the film and we'll go backwards and forwards, creating a kind of a, a musical mood board. And right. uh, I will see how the director responds to it. Some, you know, if they, what they don't like, um, uh, and you know, I need to find out what they don't like, which is as important as knowing what they do like. You know, some directors uh, hate the sound of a piano. I don't want to hear the sound of a piano in my score. Mm. So, okay, right, we set parameters and we set br a brief. 
and um, and it's 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 an organic process. We sort of evolve and we go backwards and forwards, and we form a kind of a shorthand. So that's why you get relationships between directors and composers that can go on for years because. Um, you develop a shorthand when you're working, and right. I tend to then know what my directors like, what their likes and their dislikes right. are. Right. Some directors want very uh, melodic, rich scores. Some are very much into very intimate, minimalist, sparse scores. So, so you're all on that journey together. It's my job to create a unique, cohesive score that's unique to that particular film. For me... Two of the most overlooked positions in all of filmmaking are the editor and the composer. Hmm. And, I, and I believe that wholeheartedly. I really do. I'm curious, do you feel like the, the composer in any way is a forgotten hero in all of this filmmaking? Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, because people don't, I think people underestimate the power of music. Uh, and how it can be used as a real tool. If you take away the music, you're left with scenes that a film that may work, but you're you're missing the 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 heart of the film. You're taking, you know, where you have music and where you don't have music. You you want to take the viewer on this emotional journey. You know, as as the the editor and the director are crafting the script or crafting the narrative arc of the film and the dynamics and the highs and the lows and where you're taking your audience on this journey um, the music can do the same thing so I uh, play around with the dynamics you know sometimes I'll have uh, a very rich piece followed by something very minimalist I will play with silence and uh, I'll play with musical keys so that I'm not the, so that the music doesn't sound the same all the way through. Um, I'll play with tempo and, you know, we'll have kinetic pieces with a lot of energy, then juxtaposed with ambient pieces that uh, are free and subtle. So I'm, t- I'm creating this arc uh, with highs and lows, this sort of tension and release throughout the film using the music as well so by the time you get to the end of the film that you're subconsciously manipulated and um and there's the difference with uh, you know with documentary scores is that <laughs> you're subconsciously um and that's why you were saying about uh music being underrated mm. or not being appreciated mm. it's because i think it's the hidden character in the film you know music is the hidden character where you don't realize uh, the effect that it's having on you until it's not there. So when you reach the end of the film, like For Summer, you hear a pe- this uh, Syrian folk song at the end, which I've done an arrangement of. And by the end, I think the audience are either stunned into silence or they're crying. And I'm not saying that's because of the music, of yeah. course, but it's all these elements that play their role in coming together and making the audience feel what they do feel at the end of the film. 
Nanita, as we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering if there's anything that you feel like we've left out or something that you feel like, you know what, a lot of doc, a lot of directors of films may not under, may not appreciate this about working with the composer. Um, is there something you feel like as we part here that, that, um, that you feel like we should know that we have not covered? Sometimes, you know, I think it's very easy to fall in the trap of using music as a crutch. Uh, you know, and and so by the time you finished editing, you invariably use too much music. And I think it's important to sort of sit back and have a slightly detached view once you've done that, once you've done a rough uh, pass on the film or sort of a rough cut or a second rough cut, yeah. you know, get a feel for the structural flow and the pacing to the score as well. You know, have you used too much music? Is there too little music? Do you really need music in a certain scene? Mm. So I think the composer can really help uh, inform that process. Uh, sometimes music can be very distracting. Uh, do you really, really need uh, music? So don't use music like a crutch is one, uh, one thing I would um, suggest. Communication is vital. Maintain strong communication with your composer. You know, I don't necessarily want to be writing uh, the same piece of music. If you've been editing a scene, you do, I don't want to be rewriting that scene endlessly after every uh, every <laughs> cut. Yeah. I might write it once or twice and yeah. then come back to it at the uh, at picture lock. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if possible, I would always give a composer time after picture lock, uh, and the final mix to work on the score. Mm. Uh, I've worked on so many documentaries where I'll get a picture lock on a Friday evening and they'll say, well, we have the dub on the following Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, uh, I'm having to then work day and night writing sort of uh, finishing off 40 to 50 minutes of music so that's you know working under pressure like that is doable yeah. but it's not an ideal situation um, think about your budget so uh, you know it's worth considering whether you want live musicians or not uh, these days composers have or should have you know we have computer systems with sample libraries of all sorts of different sounds i have a room full of musical instruments where i can pluck and bang and scrape um uh, and, and create sort of a unique sounding uh, score but i also want to bring in um a couple of musicians so where if you're even if you're working on a low budget documentary it's always worth putting aside a little bit extra to uh, so that the composer can afford a, a, a handful or a, a couple of musicians mm. because a real instrument can elevate the impact of a score to no end um, you know i'll bring in a cellist and a violinist for example and it will really make all the difference in giving that human organic touch that human touch on a score can really elevate the production values of a of a documentary mm -hmm. 
Nanita, this has been just a wonderful conversation. It's really, in many ways, I look forward to these types of conversations. Uh, I geek out as well on this. Uh, uh, I'm a music person. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, yeah. I'm a doc film person. Do you listen person. to film music? Oh, yeah. Uh, or, oh, or, oh, or, I, for most of my life, yeah. I have. And and it's yeah. having this kind of level of, of conversation of sort of where that intersection of two of my favorite passions, music and filmmaking, meet. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. But uh, unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time to do that. But no, N- Nanita, no. <laughs> what a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Documentary Life. Thank you very much for inviting me along, Chris. If you found this podcast helpful in living your doc life or making your doc film, will you help us share it with more people by giving us a stellar review on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast? We'd really appreciate it, and you'll be helping the doc filmmaking community find us. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.